and gentlemen, welcome back to Hoops Journey. Uh, we're going to really good episode coming up here for you today. Um, a gentleman whose name has been dropped quite a few times on the pod, whether he knows it or not. Um, he's had a busy, busy last few months from uh, hosting, you know, March Madness on TSN and his radio gig and then deciding to, uh, you know, take some ownership of some pro basketball teams. So we are actually truly grateful. And one of the things we do appreciate is we know people have busy lives. So, you know, on behalf of Corbin and myself, thank you. We have none other than Mr. He's wearing his go blue today, Mr. Javon Shepard. Appreciate you guys. And yep, it's, it's, I gotta have on my Michigan go blue. It's a go blue all day, every day. Uh, it's tough <laughs> seeing them in the tournament this year, but no, it's good. And, and to your point, yeah, it's been a, it's been a busy last couple of months, but Good things. I'm extremely grateful, right? I'm grateful. I'm appreciative because there's a lot of opportunities in our country right now that a lot of guys that myself have never had before, right? Or would have never had. So it goes to, it goes to, you know, really point and and, and stress how far this game has grown in our country. We always talk about the talent pool in, in the NBA and the growing number of athletes we have at division in division one level or you know the professional ranks whether it be nba or WNBA, but you know it's, it's grown so much that there's a plethora of opportunity for people that are retiring or guys that retiring from sport or you know those that don't get to play at the collegiate level or the or the professional ranks just to stay attached and 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 with the sport and continue to develop it and, and grow the game here right so you know i've been grateful i've enjoyed every minute of it and and to you know if i'm being honest with you guys i've never worked a day in my life and (laughs) you know this is it's a blessing yeah for sure that's awesome man i love to hear that and i mean the only work you had to do is keep jack calm down probably uh sometimes on tv breaks oh, that, or was, that, that was easy jack is good people <laughs> yeah, i gotta yeah. tell you about how he takes naps that that's funnier than anything that jack Please. will be in the middle of jack will be in the middle of you know we'll be in the middle of a conversation he'll say guys I got it. I'm going to take a nap quick. And he'll just sit there, drop his head. <laughs> Come on. There now. you go. Five minutes of nap. And then he'll pop right back up, juiced and ready to go. And everybody's <laughs> looking like, are you serious? What the hell just happened here? <laughs> and, and that is Jack. That is Jack. And he'll tell you, man, he's awesome. Like he's a, he's a great, great human being. Oh, uh, that seems like on brand for him. Just his personality. Uh, that's amazing. That's, <laughs> yeah, he, he'll just sit there like sitting straight up, check out for three minutes. And everybody's sitting there like, what the hell is going on? And he'll pop right back up, and he's right back to business. Amazing. Uh, you made a great point off the start, though. We had Junior Cadugan on a couple episodes ago, and just talking about you talking about the expansion of the game and the growth, just how he capitalized an opportunity to come back, you know, after a couple tough years overseas where, you know, he didn't have a great season. So it was like, I don't know where I'm going to sign. And it's like, what? I can go play and get paid to play basketball in Canada? Like... You know, we weren't we weren't saying these things ten years ago, and and ten years isn't that long ago. So I think you're correct. It's it's good, and and we appreciate you're willing to put the work in and and love it, right? Which is what no matter what you choose to do in life, you got to love what you're doing. You know, huge, right? And you, yeah. you, again, you mentioned for those guys, there's one thing to make money playing the sport, but now you have the opportunity to do it at home, right? Yeah. And I, I'll tell you why that's so important. These guys don't often get to compete with each other or against each other. You know, you, you're merging generations of basketball together we've never been able to see this within our country right and the timing of it is so unique because all the guys that are playing you know overseas in their winter seasons and so forth or all the guys that are you know leaving finishing up school they get the opportunity to play together right you don't Mm -hmm. you don't usually get that and 
you know, there's guys that you've you've read about, you've heard about, never even got to interact with them. And now everybody's here on one court on our own Canadian soil. Uh, these guys are also used to being the players that are that are that are gone to foreign countries, right? And you know, have to learn foreign languages, have to assimilate to different cultures. Now you're able to share your own culture with the foreign players, right? And that means a lot. And then guess what? I think that the the part that is often not spoke of enough is while our athletes have been away, you know, and I can speak to it, we missed home, right? Mm. And you missed the fact that family and friends were growing older while you were away. Let's take basketball away from for a second. These guys also have the, the opportunity now to be home, be with family, be with friends, and grow with them, right? They had to go away for college. They went away to, to, to earn some money playing the sport. The narrative is changing now. We're changing that landscape. You have that opportunity to play here, be with your family, be with your friends, share your culture, as well as, you know, the, the Basketball Champions League of Americas was huge as well because you still get to go away and get that exposure, get that experience, play it at the highest levels while coming back home to – well, home rather, where you've never been able to do that before. And it's great for guys. You mentioned Junior. Junior has a family, right? You know, he spent so much time away, could have missed, you know, the birth of his children, could have missed dropping them to, to preschool and, and daycare and so forth. Don't have to do that anymore. And, and we're just going to continue to build that. I never even thought of that side of it. I mean, that's the, the business operations side in your brain, right? But I mean, it is a great perspective, right? I mean, and it's powerful and it means a lot. You, you, you know, anyone who's invested time in this game, you are overseas trying to, you know, earn income so your family can survive. But there is a nine hour time gap. You know, you can't just yeah. can't just hop on the uh, 401 or, you know, a, a quick little ferry over to Victoria or whatever it is to go see family. It's it's far. So and when you do, cool. when you do your the GMs and the managers of those teams often, you know, threaten you being you're selfish and you're not putting the team. Well, no, I actually have a family, you know, <laughs> that that needs me. And, you know, oftentimes those clubs put their priorities ahead of their players and forget the human side. So. Yeah, it's put a lot of guys in compromising situations year after year. So hopefully we get to a place where that's no longer. Yeah, man. Keep growing the game. Love it. Let's get into it. Tell us about yourself at a young age, what life was like growing up and and, uh, why basketball became the thing for you and, and obviously shaped your life and impacted you in so many different ways. Well, I, I think right off the gate, when you asked that question, the first thing that came to me, basketball is a cheap sport. I just had to go to the park and somebody had a ball, right? <laughs> and we played, right? And for, for myself and, you know, for a lot of, you know, the men and women that play this sport, um, came up in low-income family and impoverished community. And, you know, we had a court and we, you know, somebody had a ball. So that was a, that was that perfect marriage, so to say. And it was just, it was our fun. It was our escape. It was or for myself, an escape. And it was also a connection to my my uncle at the time, who was, that was my role model. And just going to the park and just seeing him play with the older guys. And when, you know, when one person was missing, when they needed a 10th guy, you got to get on that court and play. But all you did was pass the ball. All you, just get it, just get it to the open person. And, you know, you can barely do that. Somebody's going to tip it, steal it, and get a basket on the other end. And everybody's pissed at you. <laughs> But you get you go back the next day because you you want to impress you want to make you know your uncle proud you want to turn those like those those frowns or the angry faces from that turnover into like yo he can play this guy can really 
okay, you're going to be all right. You're going to be nice at a young age. And just that gratification, you yearn for it, right? So I think that's where you you start to develop that hunger for the game. It was from there. Uh, my uncle ended up going on to earn a football scholarship, ironically, and ended up passing away in a car accident. So I think that that's always been the connection is that, you know, I used to go to that big park with him and, and play with the big guys and so forth. So that was a big part of it for me. And then, you know, from there, I went on to Don Valley Junior High School and I had a gym teacher, Miss Nardia. And, you know, it's funny because somebody tweeted me a picture recently of this Vince Carter Academy. And I was just saying to my family the other day, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to go to that camp because it changed my life. And my gym teacher at the time, my seventh grade gym teacher, Miss Nardia, she paid for me to attend that Vince Carter Academy out of her own pocket and went on there. And then I got connected with Wayne Dawkins and Roe Russell, who really looked at me and said, you have a chance to do something with this sport. And, you know, ended up meeting Vince Carter and some of his people, which motivated me, like a snotty-nosed kid that, you know, probably didn't think much of himself uh, at the time. And that really gave me the belief that gave me, put the spine in my back and allowed mm-hmm. me to poke my chest out and really, you know, think, hey, like, what does this mean? Went mm-hmm. on to go from there, went to West Hill Collegiate where uh, I played with Denham Brown, who that was his final year as well. And he showed me, he really showed me how to work hard, you know, what it meant to work hard. And, you know, when I seen Jim Calhoun walk into the gym and recruit him and amongst some other, some of the other, you know, greats, Coach K and so forth, walk into the gym and the whole, you could hear a pin drop in the whole school. I said, I wanted that feeling. Like I mm. want I want, I want that feeling one day. I was horrible. I was, I was bad, but that work ethic was instilled in me. Um, from guys like that. And, and, and that day came for me, you know, a couple of years later, I, I was that guy, you know, a big fish in a, in a little pond. And, you know, I had the opportunity to go to, well, I could have pretty much chose any school at that point that I wanted mm-hmm. to chose the university of Michigan. And I think this is also a learning point, teaching point rather, and where the differences in where we are today with our athletes is that I chose Michigan because it was close to home. I didn't have any guidance. I didn't have anybody in my corner to say, you know, let's look at the depth chart. Let's look at the style of play. Let's actually speak to the coach and see what is your, you know, two-year goal, two-year plan, three-year plan, four-year plan for Javon, right? It was, I remember vividly, it was like, listen, it's yourself and Chris Douglas Roberts. You guys are one and two. Whoever commits first comes and goes. And he and I were pretty much had our, our last four schools were all the same. And I pretty much just walked in and said, okay, I'll come without looking or hearing about it. Because I didn't know, we didn't have the knowledge base. We didn't have, you know, anybody to direct that. So there, there was that. And then from there, you know, I went on and I had a lot of adversity, a lot of tough times and struggles over my four-year career because I left here as, you know, the number one player in the country, went to the Hoop Summit. Um, there was whispers of potentially, you know, can this guy be a you know, go to the go to the NBA. You know, enter the draft for that 2000. And, when did I graduate? 2005 year. That was the last year that you could go from high school to the NBA, and that stuck with me. So I, I always sat there and said, "Could I have? Should I have? Would I have?" And you know what? It, it just made me tougher. The struggle just made me tougher mentally for everything that I was going to experience after. And to my point there, I say, you know, when when these young kids are making these decisions on schools and what they need to do for their future, what direction they're going to make for their future. 
there should be a heavy importance weighted on having somebody help you through that process that's been there before or it has the experience. Because it's easy. When you go on these visits, they throw the kitchen sink at you and everything looks bright, everything looks beautiful, take you out to eat everywhere and you can eat the finest, the best, eat what you think you want to eat, whatever you want to try. And they throw everything at you. It looks, it glitters, it's, it glows, <laughs> everything is shiny and it's beautiful. But as and soon as you sign on that dotted line, you're, you're a young kid. kid right? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're not, a young you're not, kid. You're not a grown up. Right. And once you sign on that dotted line, it, it becomes a business right then and there. So, yeah, just having that guidance in, in the corners of some of our, our young generation, I think, you know, I would just want to continue to see that, that mentorship. Great that the skills, you know, the, the club teams are all great, but there needs to be a component of mentorship and guidance and support system for our athletes because there's one, they're so young, like you mentioned, and psychologically, you don't know what they go through once they're over there by themselves. Right. So that, that, that was a big thing for me. Yeah. How do we do it? How do, how do we have, we we talk about it here too, not just mentoring of, of young athletes, but young coaches too. Right. I mean, we know that there's all these resources. You can go on YouTube. You could find any X's and O you want, but to actually have a physical presence mentoring you is huge. Right. And, uh, I mean, you probably don't know how to to answer that, but what's the first step? I think you make a great point where maybe you do. Well, I, I think the first step is within our community, it's growing. It's it's still relatively small compared to other parts of the world. Is we have to continue to have a a sense of humility and vulnerability from every level that we're at, whether we're a coach, whether we're a trainer, whether we are a player, right? Because asking questions is okay, and just growing off of that. And I, I think we don't do enough of that, and we're very sheltered and, and guarded. I think is the better word because even with the players, like no, this is my guy. This is my guy. And I'm like we're taking ownership over people's kids they they have mothers they have fathers that's one thing but we are getting to a point where we're going to have a lot of former players return start to return Mm -hmm. whether it's from overseas whether it's the nba we need to be we need to be asking them questions as meant so that we have some knowledge base have a reference point that we could share with with our with our athletes and Mm -hmm. understand that the way we're doing it isn't always the right way and adding to it is it helps. Like you're, you're adding substance to something. You're moving the needle. And, and that's going to be extremely important. And I think it's, it's tough because we're, we're, we're so young we're, and we're experiencing so much success at such, in such a short span, such a short time frame that everybody thinks they have the recipe and the answer. That can change very fast, right? So it's really just that humility, that vulnerability to understand and just pick the brains of people that have walked the paths and, and welcome them, right? You may not, mm-hmm. and I think sometimes, you know, we feel threatened by, and again, I, there's, we're also at a place now where there's so much money with this sport that everybody's trying to protect that. And that, be, that becomes toxic as well. So if we're doing it for the betterment of the, the youth and even, hey, you know, there's an agenda for everybody. And if money is the agenda, we shouldn't be thinking short term, we should be thinking long term and how do, how do we ma- maximize it, right? Even from a selfish standpoint. How do we maximize it? And gaining the most amount of knowledge, you know, just just armors us and equips us to be in a position to to maximize and navigate the steps in the directions that we need to. And in the end, yeah, it'll it'll result in money. So I think it just got to be a long term thinking. It's got to be a lot of humility, a lot of questions, a lot of just understanding, trying to retain as much information. Do you uh, 
follow Brene Brown at all? Do you know what that is? No, no. She's like a leadership speaker from the States or whatever. She literally studies vulnerability. So you use those two words, humility and vulnerability. And it's just like, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. Right. And then trying to work, you know, working with young people in schools, constantly telling them the more vulnerable you like, yeah, it may not work out, but you'll learn so much if you just try, right? Throw yourself out there, make it uncomfortable, you know? And, and then the humility piece too, right? Sometimes in basketball, there's a lot of ego or we've talked a lot too about like hoarding onto your plays or your sets or your systems. It's like, if we play each other in March, you're going to know what we're doing anyways. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, it's very good stuff, man. It, it, it's true because it also goes to the saying, um, and it may sound cliche, if you're the smartest in, your, in the room, you're in the wrong room, right. right? You get to a point of, of that, then it's it's time to take another step and get yourself in another room that makes you uncomfortable where you can learn. And I found that out firsthand with my experience when I look back at my first year as a GM with the Ottawa Blackjacks. I had to change some of the people that I that I communicate with and put myself in a different room where I can ask questions. And now, you know, I, I look at my team last year and I look at my team that we put together this year completely different. And I had to take accountability for that, right? I probably should have dug a little deeper. Yeah, no. Very good. And it's, it's, you're exactly right. It doesn't matter what age you are. You got to have that consistent growth mindset and, and continue to think that you don't know best because when we do, I don't know, life also just gets kind of boring too. When we think we know it all, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so playing with denim Brown, come on now. Holy smokes. The two of you. Eesh. I was young. I was a young pup though. Okay. So. so what were you, you I, were, were you like a sophomore? Yeah, I was, what was that? Sophomore year. I was a sophomore year. I didn't, my knees were bad. I was, my body was weak. I could not <laughs> keep up with that machine, man. He was, he was really good. You know, he, he was one of those guys that really, one, he played hard every time he stepped on the court. And anytime he got between those lines, he committed to his, his craft. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a time where he took a minute off. I've, I've always been more impressed with, you know, his work ethic and what I've seen him of him while he's training than the games that he's played and, you know, those big games, 111 points, whatever the case may be, that means nothing. You know, you see the body of work that he's able to put in and somebody that doesn't have to speak much to impact the people around him have a presence because he has that infectious personality, all strictly based on the respect people have from him for him based on his work ethic. Everybody can go on and on about Denim at UConn, Denim, you know, what he's done in high school, but you don't know, you haven't seen nothing until you've seen the man put in work at that age, right? When we were, you know, there was nobody really to set the bar or, you know, give you any guidance. Also the same guy that'll turn around and give you the shirt off of his back. Respect, Contrary yeah. to, to all the, you know, the popular belief or whatever the stories are, he will give you his last. And if he has, you know, one fry and there's three people here, all three people are, are eating that and they'll all be hungry in an hour again, but that'll be okay. Yeah, man. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's well said. But you touched on that too, though, how big that was just to have that presence around. Did that sort of, when, when your time came around and the recruiting process happened, did it make it, a, and, you, and you mentioned, you know, not having a lot of people around to sort of bounce ideas off, but it, did that, having someone like Denim and see him, you touched on like, you're like, okay, at least I've felt this a little bit before. I've seen big time coaches come into a gym, you know, even, even though it's about me now, it's a little bit like, whoa, but, you know, just having that, were you, were you soaking it in while you saw it all happen? You know what? Yes and no. You're yeah. never prepared for it, right? Because, I guess. you know, I was somebody that never really, I didn't follow college basketball, so I didn't really understand what's what as much and who's who. 
But when you start to pay attention and you realize the people that are, that are in front of your home and the people that are knocking on your door, the people that are calling you on the phone, and th- these are legendary coaches. These are legendary players that are, you know, trying to recruit you to their school. And, and you're never, you're so young, you're never prepared for it because at that point, like, you just become the ne- the man instantly, right? And at that point, you know, thank God. I don't know how the kids do it today because the social media aspect has blown up, right? So it's changed the landscape altogether. It blew my head up completely, mm-hmm. right? So I can't imagine them. But it also motivated me to to want more, right? If Jim Calhoun is, is in the gym or, or Bayheim or whomever it may be, then I want Greg Pop, you know, knocking my door. I want, you know, Phil Jackson knocking my door next. So you know, it, it changes. It, it changes a lot, but it also keeps things into perspective and motivates you for that next step. Yeah, no doubt. You must have seen some pretty good high school teams as well. Like, who were some of the dudes that you saw uh, went up against? There must have been some nice squads. Well, I'll tell you this much: I played Kevin Durant, and he was two years. He was, I believe, he was two years <laughs> younger than me, and he was. You couldn't get around him. You couldn't get over him, and he was so long, and he just covered so much of that court effortlessly. Right? Mm-hmm. I remember being at Nike All-America camp one year. And this is after we had played at some AEU tournament in D.C. I, I can't remember. It might have been Boo Williams or something. And I remember KD had just finished playing, and he was walking by a little innocent KD. He just wants to hoop. Same guys you see today. Like, he does a little more on social media, but that's because people really poke. He just wants to play basketball. And I remember, to this day, I can't remember who it was, but I, I remember what they said. And as he, walked by, as he was walking by, they said, KD, hey, KD, you're going to be all right, son. You're going to be all right. And I didn't know what that meant, but I learned what mm-hmm. it meant because today we, we have Kevin Durant, right? And he was one of the, one of the guys I played with that was played against that was, you know, he turned my head right out the gate. Uh, Lou Williams, we played together for a bit uh, at a couple of tournaments and we played against each other at the Hoop Summit. Monte, Monte Ellis, uh, Martel mm-hmm. Webster, Brandon Rush. Those are all guys that were... My era, CJ, CJ Miles, Chris Douglas Roberts. So a lot of those guys. And it was great competition, man. I think if I were to go back right now, I would just not get too caught up in who I'm playing against, but just just play, just play. Right. And because there's not much that separates neck down, but neck up. Those guys in America, they understand that they're playing to feed their families right out the gate. Right. So anytime they lace them up, they're playing to compete and feed their family. So when, you know, I went into the hoop summit and some of those tournaments, I may have turned it on certain games and turned it off certain games. Every time they laced them up, they turned it on because they knew there was a couple of NBA GMs sitting there. I was thinking NCAA coaches and I already have all the letters I need. I'm good. They were thinking somebody's watching. This is, this is my opportunity to go to the league. Mm-hmm. Interesting perspective. And then talk about that time in Michigan. It was an interesting time for you. I mean, you know, a big turnaround season in there, the ups, the downs, college basketball, you know, you've, you've already mentioned that the machine that is the NCAA and we've had, you know, a few guests that have touched on that as well and experienced it. So, but obviously, you know, you're rocking the colors. It's still, you know, Michigan still means a lot to you and, and you consider yourself a proud alumni. So that's, that's dope. But uh, what's it like? I mean, I, I got to go on campus at what a cool little, like, you know, university city of that football stadium's nuts. Um, until you have to run, until you get in trouble yeah. and you have to run the whole stadium. <laughs> not so much right yeah not so sweet then no uh, michigan was great man it was an amazing experience and again fortunate my, my career could have gone another direction there had i been more 
prepared mentally, but academically, I got the, the best of both worlds. And, you know, from the basketball standpoint, I think I went in there and, you know, I used to go down and... Did you always take pride uh, in your school or did it kind of turn on when you when you got to university? Yeah. I, I think it more, you know, truth be told, I applied myself more in university because I was, I was more laser focused mm. at that point. In high school, I was a bit more all over the place and I knew I could get away. I was a really good athlete. I knew I could get away with something. Yeah, you got some right? charm too, you know, a personality like, what's yeah, up, you, teach, you, you know? You, I'll get yeah, that assignment you to you. Yeah. I'll get it to you. I, I just had 30. I'll get it. I was, I was, I was busy. Um, no, but, you know, my first year at Michigan, I, I it was tough because I had to adjust to competing at that level day in, day out, mm. right? I could physically, I was there. I was, you know, still one of the elite athletes, one of the more skilled players on my team would, would probably be top top four in every category. But that that competing at that level every day, I hadn't adjusted to that yet because I could have got I could get away with it here. I could give thirty, you know, to a, a big high school team here, and then you know take the night off and still give twenty five, mm-hmm. right? Whereas there, no, somebody else can do that too because they're not take the, the switch didn't go off for them. So that was an adjustment, and you know, just it was it was tough because I used to go into you know the open gyms and open runs, and I was the best player you know, out there. But then when things got a little tighter and there was a bit more structure and it mattered, other guys rose to the occasion. Other guys understood, like, I've got to make that shot or I don't play. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking, no, I, I just hit 10 in open gym. I'll still be good. No, it doesn't work like that. Um, first year was rough. It was an adjustment, but everybody says be patient. So you be patient. Second year, okay, you think you're going to get a little more opportunity. Well, guess what? They've they started to recruit over you because you didn't show show enough promise or they start to shift guys into positions because at the end of the day, they need to win games. Coaches need to win games. So the coach that brought me in, which was Tommy Amaker and Charles, Charles Ramsey um, was in his, the assistant that recruited me. They both, Amaker got released my second, my sophomore year. Charles got a job with Eastern Michigan. So at that point I was kind of left naked and by myself, John Beeline came in and he flat out told me like, you're, you're, you're not in my, you're not in my plans. Funny enough, like I, I wanted to be the stubborn kid that I was and, and show like, no, like I'm like that. I'm nice. Hmm. And did you ever think about leaving? I, I could have, I mm-hmm. could have, I, but I never thought about it because in my mind, I'm, I'm, tra- I'm trained and I'm wired to, to prove wrong. Right. So my thought process was, no, I'm going to prove John Beeline wrong. No, John Beeline and this, this Michigan machine is bigger than you, Javon Shepard. It doesn't work like that. So, you know, my, my, good, my roommate at the time, he had transferred. He went to Baylor, Epe Udo, and went on and ended up being a, a top nine lottery pick. Now, this is a guy we used to work. We used to go back and work out every night, play one-on-one and do stuff and, and really push each other. I had some opportunities to leave. I had some opportunities to leave with him so, as well. So I always thought, like, what would have happened if, you know, you did transfer or mm-hmm. got yourself into another, you know, situation? What would have happened? Anyways, that's that's here nor there. I don't dwell on it. But, you know, John came in. We bumped heads from from the get-go because, you know, I'm, I, I'm thinking things should be one way. He's saying things should be another way. He has his style of play that I don't necessarily fit into. And just, just really 
fighting and we did, we didn't get a, we actually didn't get along much my first uh, my junior year i matured um in my senior year I became one of the, the leaders of that team captain of of that team that was a turnaround and became you know the first team to go back to the ncaa tournament since the the whole fab five um suspension yeah. which i still ideally didn't play as much as i would have liked to Played in actually some really big games. One of the biggest is probably we beat Duke when they were, I believe, top two in the nation at our place. And that was probably the game that solidified our NCAA birth. Had a really good game there. And it's funny because, you know, John and I, we, we have a really good relationship now. We talk really often now. And we, we laugh about some of the stuff that went on. And I matured. He, he, he acknowledges that. You know, it was a tough transition for him as well. And he's actually become, you know, somebody I have as one of my mentors in my in my corner. Um, and everything I do now, we I always, you know, seek advice from him. But, you know, those four years really prepared me for, or maybe tougher, and prepared me for, you know, my pro experience. Because without that and without building that toughness that I need, that mental toughness that I needed, I wouldn't have had an 11 year career professionally at all. Like it, it prepared me for that point. So, um, you know, off campus was great. You know, the parties and the, the tailgates are amazing. That's a different podcast, man. That's, That's a different, a different podcast. <laughs> but the, the tough thing is you're, when you go to such a big school, you're also very guarded, protected, and you have to, you can't, you, you can't go and live like the, the average student and mm. enjoy every party or, sit down and focus on homework 24 seven, uh, get it done and then just go party. It's not like that because you're, you're a big brand, part of a big brand and you are your own brand as well. So you're a professional athlete without being a professional athlete. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, you, you can't, you're not in the frat parties and, you know, upside down on the keggers and (laughs) anything like that. No, because guess what? When those phones come out, you're So your scholarship may go out. So you have to protect that. And guys are also scouts, NBA scouts and teams and, you know, team scouts from abroad are always, you know, looking for intel on players and so forth. So you always have to protect that. Great experience nonetheless. So I, I wouldn't have traded it for anything. Still, if I go back, if I was to go back right now, I still wouldn't have traded anything. And I think, too, probably some days upon reflection, you're sitting there thinking of those experiences. Look at what you're doing now. Right. And like you can yeah. do so much stuff that you've learned and apply it right directly to your work life, personal life, family life, all of it, but work especially, right? That's pretty dope. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's, and that's the big thing is just taking what you've learned and just reapplying it. You mentioned, what was, what was it that the level, was it the skill of each guy that you had to go against every single day? Was it the amount of hours that was required that first year? Um, because you're not the first guy to talk about the jump to Division One basketball and being kind of like, damn. So was it a combo of all of that? Like you talked about, you know, I dropped 30 here, but could cruise control and get 25. Was it just knowing that there was, you know, nine other dudes that were like really skilled? Or was it just that energy and practice every day that was really the biggest jump? The energy, the compete, the intensity is always high. Mm. And I think here there is a disparity in, in talent. Right. So you may have one or two, one. And if you have two, you're a really good elite club at the high school level. Right. On a team. 100%. This, and the supporting cast, great for that level. It's good for that level. 
but in the bigger picture, they're not nearly as talented or good as they should be. Yeah. Right. So now you become. You said that in a really nice way, man. Well done. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're saying. I mean, I, we coach it, right? It's like here, if you have two dudes, you're like a top five school, right? If you have yeah. three, if you have three, forget about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so you take, you go back, you go over there and there's, there are five guys, uh, there's seven guys, seven, eight guys that really are talented and the next three are walk-ons and they go 10 times harder than everybody. So they can make it, they can make an example out of you as well. And they're mm-hmm. not shabby, right? I think I still believe like those guys as as role players here would be better. Like mm. they're above average, right? So it's just it, the, the talent level and the compete, the intensity. You have a coach that's being paid, you know, a million dollars, two million dollars, and doesn't have the security like the coaches here at the U Sport level, because if they don't win, they're out. You don't win in Canada, hey. Maybe next time, right? Facts. And for them, that's their livelihood, right? Like that that one million, two million dollar contract can easily become five hundred thousand, which then can easily become two hundred thousand, which easily can become you're out the door. Or it can become one million, two million, three million, four million, five million. But it's all based on your production and performance of your athletes and that wins and losses column. So for every day. Uh, that you step into that gym, it's somebody's job is on the line. And you feel that you feel that. Yeah. And that's from your coach. And if the coach is not doing the job, getting the job done, that could be the AD's job. Somebody's job is on the line and how you perform really dictates that. So I think that increases that level of intensity, that level of play. And it's just, it's regimented, right? Like you have your lifts, you have these, these schools invest so much money into your meals, your scholarship, your, your, you know, everything that you can think of. Mm-hmm. Our travel, right? I remember my first experience overseas when I first, my first year in Germany, and they said, we drive to games. What do you mean we drive to games? I'm, I'm used to getting on a charter plane. We share the plane. We share the same plane with the Detroit Pistons and the, the Detroit Red Wings. And you're telling me I'm going to drive seven hours across this country. Somebody messed up here. <laughs> and I'm getting paid now? And I'm getting paid now. Like some, like hold on, you guys. Somebody's gotta, somebody's gotta show me. Or where did I go wrong? And then even like meals, I was accustomed to having five course meals. You know, after practice, after after games. You know, as we as we travel, because that's what they're that's what they're investing into you. So with mm-hmm. all that comes a lot of pressure. Yes. What did you study? Sociology. Oh, nice. Did you I'll get- give you a joke with that too. Okay, here so we go. I started off. <laughs> I started off in sports, sports management. Yeah, and, and you dropped out. <laughs> I dropped out of sports. I dropped out of my sports management class because we had to take a public speaking class. Unbelievable. So I got because up. You didn't I didn't want to do up, it. I I couldn't. Like I got up in front of the class and I would sweat bricks. I would my my cue cards, the, the words and the letters would fly off the page. <laughs> And I said, you know what? No, this is too much for me. I am, I'm done. And I dropped and I went to sociology and, and got a sociology degree. Um, the irony. And then now here That's I am. Hilarious. You know, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a wacky world, man. I tell you. It is. It is. 
But you've, you've touched on it a few times. Like, if you were just willing to learn and grow, you never know what you're capable of, of doing and becoming, right? Like, if you, yeah. if you put the work in and, and, you know, the good things will happen. So, yeah, that's funny. I mean, not knowing you from before, just try to think about that. Like, really? Like, that just seems yeah, like so I, you, yeah. I, no, I dropped, <laughs> I dropped out, man. I remember I did, we had one project to start the year off and I chose it on the most simple, basic thing because I knew I was going to be nervous. It was Michael Jordan. Hmm. And I got up there and everything went off my cue card and I couldn't remember anything about Michael Jordan. I could barely remember his name. And that was it for me. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> I love it. Let's talk about the first time you were able to crack a Canadian roster and, and what that felt like. You know, obviously, it, I, when I was doing more research about you, I actually forgot that you did play for so long. Like you didn't make a good career out of things like 11 years is a long time and when you look at your scope within the national team it's like there's a jump and then all of a sudden it's like 2019 you're on a team or something like that right it's like holy smokes he was still hooping then so talk about those first early experiences and how it came about and and uh the pride that you i mean continue to have in, in canada basketball well I, I think that there was it was an experience that many often don't get right like you only get to represent your country in war and in sport and mm -hmm. Again, I'm grateful that my opportunity was in sport. And, you know, those for me, it's you always want to surround yourself with the people, the people that are at the places you want to be. And, you know, at the time, the guys that were the pros and playing pro professional basketball were guys that were affiliated to the national team. So for me, it was, you know, these were guys that I worked out with day in, day out in the summers and just being around them. I knew I had to do that because I didn't have the greatest college career, but Hey, if, I, if I'm around and somebody sees me, I could get an opportunity to play professionally. Uh, so I got cut from the national team, a couple, the senior team, a couple of times before actually making it. And I think every year I learned something and every year I came back with, with more, right? And I, mm -hmm. I knew at some point, like if they keep bringing you back, there's a reason. Not, not every, and it goes back to that humility piece, right? Because some guys get cut and they say, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this and feel disrespected. Yeah, there's a level of disrespect, but there's also understanding once you make it, you're one of 12, one of 10, one of 12 players in this entire, not just your city, but an entire country that make this team. So for me, it was, I, I remember one summer just outplaying the guys at my position. And I think at some point, you know, they also come in and more relaxed and know that, hey, you know, it's, he's been here and, or they've been there and, and, you know, he's probably young, probably not going to make it, whatever the case may be. And it, it it ended up happening being, I, I remember one year, it even put me in an awkward situation because it ended up being Denim, right? Mm -hmm. And that was the guy I looked up to. That was the guy. And you know what? No, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't released that year. I actually played over him at the Worlds. Mm. And that was the guy that I was looking up to, right, yeah. growing up. But at that, at that point, I was just playing. Like, once you get your confidence going, sometimes you hit one of those patches where you're just, you're just playing better. You're just playing well. And... You know, there was always a mix of us at the wing position that were in and out. And, you know, things went my way. Sometimes, well, I was, I was the healthy one. I was, you know, the one playing better. Or some guys just weren't playing well. And then you become a part of that regular, that core group. And then, you know, as time goes on, you know, some, some of the younger generation comes in. They, same thing happens to them. Bump guys out. And I think for me, when they changed the, the format and had the, the windows and so forth, you know, that, at that point, it's about who's the best players that are available as well. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of things happen, but a lot of things happen to people 
once you stick around and put in the work and just show your level of commitment. Mm -hmm. uh, so was I the best player? Am I going to go down with the best national team career ever? Absolutely not. But had a long enough career, been a part of a number of generations. And if I hadn't got hurt in my last tail end of my career, then I probably would have still been in those windows as well um, leading, up, leading up to now. But it was a great experience. Playing in the Worlds was amazing. Um, you know, playing just knowing that not only you're one of the best players in your country, but you're playing against the best in the world, yeah. right? In the world. So I'll never forget that experience. And I played well there too. We we didn't we didn't win, but um, it was just a downtime in terms of talent for Canada and a part of you know growing that foundation for now. So that experience is invaluable. Those have become some of my best friends today and you know i can't say enough about that and just obviously you wear you wear that jersey it puts you in different conversations right like just yep. the allure the cachet that comes with that within canada you know you can put together a resume right now and people see that and it automatically is a conversation starter for sure um, so you know bigger than basketball i'm grateful i think it says a lot about you as well too because like you know if you're a national team coach and you're going to pick the team you know one you if you keep coming back, you must be improving, right? You're obviously putting work in to improve, but then they also see value in you as a team guy, right? Like, you know, if you're not if you're not the one, two, or three, the skill, you know, pretty equal, right? It's like we're gonna spend our summer with some good people as well that are gonna be good teammates and and you know, and so you know, I think it says a lot in that sense as well, right? Like, you know, you're not you're not a knob. <laughs> it's it's funny because now when I'm putting together my own teams. Those are some of the things that I look for. Okay, if you're not in that that first five or first six rotational guys, like what is the, what is the the difference maker? And nine times out of ten, it's you know, is this a good character guy, and how is he going to impact the team when he's not playing minutes, right? And if he is playing minutes, what does he bring to the table? And that's honestly the biggest difference maker in in terms of what you bring in from what you don't. And guess what? Those guys end up making teams. And then they end up carving out roles for themselves and playing bigger, having bigger positions within the team. But it always boils down to, you know, does a coach want to have to coach you if you're not playing? Right. And that's so important is that who are you when you're playing one minute, two minutes, three minutes? Because in the heat of a battle, in the heat of a match, coaches that have time to, to you know, turn to you and, and coach your attitude, coach your character. You know, we're trying to win a game. The five guys on the court need the support of the guys on this bench. So it's it it means a lot. And to your point, yeah, like I, I probably wasn't the guy that's going to go and complain about minutes vocally. <laughs> I, I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you if I, if I didn't say I went back to my hotel room and, yeah. you know, had a couple words to say. But yeah, competitor, that's, man. that's a competitor. Yeah. yeah. And two, you know, even with the role you're in now, it's like not only people that the coach has to worry about, but also you know, you want people to support and do good in the community, right? Like, are these going to be good community people? Will they build? Will they do the things that we want them to do? You know, going to schools or, you know, running a little camp on the weekend, things like that. So your your perspective is, it's a good thing you got that sociology degree, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Before we do some, some fun questions, because uh, we know you're a busy, busy man. Um, How's the TV radio thing been? How'd that come around? I mean, it must. One of the things I've always wanted to do was to do something like that, right? And and uh, that's why I really enjoyed doing the podcast. One, getting to know people and chatting and chopping it up with them, but also using your skill set socially. So, how's that been, man? It must be a fun little thing. And and uh, you know, how how did that come around? I mean, is it? Yeah, is it, is it another weird I, story? Or I, I I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's long days during the tournament, though. <laughs> Uh, 
long days, but you got good people that you work with that yeah. make it easier. And like the reality is, we're not dealing with world issues. We're talking about basketball, right? Yeah, like Butler needs to get out of the zone. That's what you're talking about, right? Yeah, like, yeah. get out of the zone and. <laughs> And then Jack takes his nap between commercials and <laughs> get back, right? <laughs> no, but it's 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 um you know how did it really come about? I, I so I'll, I'll start with this. I remember when I was going to retire. Um, when I was going, well, I, at that point I hadn't retired yet. I was actually just had nights of cold sweats. Like, what am I going to do next? And I always admired. You know, I turn on our Raptors games and I'd see Leo, I'd see Paul Jones, I'd see. Sherm and everybody just talking. I was like, this is so simple. Like, why didn't I think of this? Uh, I remember saving a picture of them in my phone and putting it up in my goals and saying by year, whatever year it was, I want to be sitting amongst these guys talking about this game. So I set that goal for myself. And then later, you know, it, it things started to unfold. I came home and then I had an opportunity to do some broadcasts with CBC for the CEBL. Uh, oh, right. Yeah. In the bubble. I you know I laugh now because I was as green as ever. I thought this was so easy. It's absolutely not. My first couple of experiences, I remember, you know, getting up after and leaving with a migraine because I'm, I was sweating buckets. I was, you know, stuttering. I was on my words. I couldn't project my voice. I was thinking about what I wanted to say. And then two or three plays went by and we're like, I'm actually late here. That basket happened four times you know, four minutes ago. Um, but then you learn, right? And you learn and it becomes a challenge and that, that competitive nature kicks in. It's like you have an option right now. You either fold or you figure this out. And then you, you go back in and you realize at some point it clicks like, wait, just talk about what you see. People want to hear your perspective. They want to hear, you know, what you see because you are the expert. You're the analyst here. And everybody has a different eye, right? Like how a the general fan sees the game is not how I see the, see the game. So, one, there's a, there's a there's an element of entertainment, but two, there's an element of teaching, right? And and you learn that, right? And everybody has different styles. So I think there's no better there's no better job in the world other outside of playing than you know probably talking about hoops. You'd be doing it anyways, right? Like you have group chats, <laughs> yeah. you have group chats, you have you talk to the TV when the game is happening, and <laughs> it's the exact same thing with a microphone in front of you, right? And, and just less cuss words. <laughs> so it's no, it's it's honestly, man. I, I enjoy it. I I love it. I think for myself, and I I, I always you know speak it into an existence. Is I'll, I'll probably come to a crossroad where I have to decide between you know a a MBA front office position and you know am I going to further this right mm. the, the broadcast element. And for me, like, is it there yet? I I don't know, but I I, I do see you know that in the future. Um, because that put in the work towards it, right? And sitting there and talking hoops, there's no, you can't replace that. And you have fun with it. You're allowed, you're allowed to joke, you're allowed to laugh. And the best advice I got was, you know, Leo and Jack just saying, you pretend you're at a bar, you know, just talking with a friend about mm. what you see. And Sam Mitchell always says, it's, it's never as bad as you think and it's never as good as you think because you're, I was always hard on myself early, right? And now I don't care, man. I go on there and just... <laughs> Have fun talking, and hey, you you paid me for this. I'm yeah. in a good position. Yeah, <laughs> and the words aren't jumping off the cue cards anymore, so that's good. No, they're not no. jumping off the cue cards. I <laughs> unbelievable, right? The yeah. irony. <laughs> it is super ironic. We want to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Parkside Brewery. 
Located in the heart of Port Moody on Brewers Row, Parkside offers an amazing atmosphere with one of the best summer patios around. If you can't make it to the brewery located at 2731 Murray Street, then hit any government retail store and try the Don Pilsner, the Dusk Pale Ale, or my favorite, the Dreamboat Hazy IPA. A hoop's journey promises that the beer at Parkside is much, much, much better than the owner, Sam Payne's streaky jump shot. We hope to see you Parkside. After a brief hiatus, Good Lad Clothing has returned, but under a new location, 3283 Main Street is where they can be found. Name drop a hoop's journey to get 10% off any clothing items in store. The store no longer offers barber, but you can find the best retail around. Thanks to our sponsor, Good Lad Clothing, and we hope to see you there. You ready? We'll put Let's you on the hot it. seat a bit. Okay. Who's been some of the most important people in your life up to this point? My, my mother, my uncle, and my grandmother. Just seeing how hard they work day in, day out. And like they, they motivate me for everything. And I think my, my uncle, he's just the first one that instilled and, and motivated me to like enjoy a sport. And, and that's, I, I, yeah, I would go with, with them three. Them three there for sure. How do you feel about ketchup on macaroni? Uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a dead split. It depends on the type of cheese that's on the ma- the macaroni. Depends on the type of cheese, for sure. But <laughs> a little dabble doesn't hurt. You gotta test it first, and then. But I'm, I, I can go either way. I can okay. go either way. But it, but I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you, it, it's pineapple on pizza. That's that, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Who, okay. who are these? Who are these people that don't? Okay, and as long as we're this, on the same page there. Why is this a controversial thing? Like, what, what's wrong with people? I don't people? even know. What the, I don't know what the debate is, but as long as we're there, we're okay. Yeah, we're good. Thank you. Okay, so we can keep going. That's good. That's an yeah. important answer on behalf of me, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, dead or alive, doesn't matter. Best seat in the house. What concert we going to? Take whoever you want. You can, you've seen them already. Doesn't matter. Just Or are there a couple? Are there a couple that you'd like to see or see again? Uh, I think this is tough. You got to go to a Michael Jackson concert for the experience. Like you just got to go. You, you got to go there and see pe- people like fainting and crying. Forget the music for a second. Like as he walks out, people are just going to start collapsing and fainting. So okay. I think you, you have to have that. I know you didn't listen to the Chris Joseph episode. He's, no. <laughs> he said the exact same thing. Okay. And who you want to see live? Live, Michael Jackson. Yes. Would that not be Michael Jackson? That would be insane. Um, I used to warm up to Michael Jackson. You know, between you between did. him and Whitney Houston, uh, they used to get a lot of play. Mike was ahead of his times in terms of like in terms of like what you see when you go to a concert now. In terms of like performance, you know, Mike was ahead of his time in terms of like what he was man. doing. Man, the dancing, the singing, everything. Oh man. my goodness crowd pleaser yeah. no question like i'd love to i'd love to be there and just see someone pass out of course be well you know yes. what i mean but like you you know they were passing out like i need to leave i paid for these seats now i gotta leave on a stretcher you know yeah, what i mean yeah. i hope you know like this is nuts you know he really had that effect man shout out to mike jackson man for real really like almost word <laughs> for word like you gotta go just because you gotta see someone pass out who sees another yeah, human just- being like just for that reason alone <laughs> 
Right, you see, and like, then it's we, Mike. We grew up seeing it. We grew up oh. seeing it. Like you watch TV, you watch him step on stage, and then he puts out his hand, and the person just <laughs> falls back. They they don't even get to touch his hand. Yeah. So, what is that? Like, what type of energy is that in there that creates that? So, no, that's that's for sure. That's that's a must. Okay. I Whitney for the vocals, though. Okay. Whitney for her vocals. Yeah. That okay. I cannot cannot argue those. If you had to choose, is it movie or books? Books. Movies. Okay. You got something? What's a what's an all time read for you? Or did you read something recently? Something that uh, the listeners might might like to check out that you could recommend? Let's see, let's see right here. There's a, a ton of books that we pile up here. Uh, oh, you got the Nick Nurse book is amazing. Love that Nick. Yeah, Nurse. Nick's, yeah. Nick's was good. Yeah. Um, I really liked Will Smith's book. Uh, I had a different perspective on him, and then he went up on stage and slapped the shit out of um, Chris <laughs> Walker. So I, I don't know what to take of it in anything anymore. But wow, Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. No, um, I think for me it's 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 books because for some reason I turn on a movie and it's instant night night for me. Like really? I, I knock right out. Yeah, I knock right out. So no doesn't matter, matter what how time long of day. I, no, doesn't matter what time of day. It doesn't like matter my, what type of day. My wife's kind of the same, but also like if it's if it makes you think too much, she can't do it. She's like, "What's happening in this movie?" And starts yeah, asking yeah. all these questions, and absolutely. I'm like, "I just need to watch this by myself." Yeah, I'm with her. I'm I'm absolutely with her because I, I I start to think like I start to think, and then I, I lose track of what's going on. Yeah, I, it's harder for me to center myself and just sit here. Fair enough. If you go back to one game. For any reason, like to to relive a moment, to change a moment, anything. Do you have one that you'd go back to? I would go back to the hoop summit and I would play free. I would just let it hang and I would enter my name into the draft right after. Ah, I had a really good game. I had a good game. I believe I had like 11 or 11 or 12 points and seven rebounds. But that was still me playing really tight and okay. overthinking it. But if I had gone and just... You know, the knock on me was, can he hit the three? And I, I think, I believe if I'd hit, you know, I think I took three threes that game. If I'd hit two out of three of them, you know, people start to have a different conversation. Like, oh, no, he's got to go. Because, you know, it was tough matchup for Lou Will against me. Tough matchup for Monte Ellis. I remember them going back and forth saying, nah, you guard him. Nah, you guard him. He too quick. He too strong. Nope. <laughs> Jokingly, but at the same yeah. time, like, there's some truth to it, right? I would just go have some fun. more. Just enjoy playing and not overthinking. That's good. You get a little snacky or whatever. You have a meeting, got to pull over to 7-Eleven. What bag of chips are you grabbing? Wow. It's funny. Because at different points in your life, you have a taste for different chips. Yes. Facts. It's almost like, it's almost like, and I probably shouldn't say this on here. It's almost like alcohol. At different points in your life, you drink different. It's you true. have different alcohol. It's true. Chips right now, Ruffles, potato chips. I'm basic right now just plain just plain if you asked me four months ago i went through a stretch of sour cream and onion ruffles yeah yeah i i respect it i respect it wholeheartedly yeah. i'm here for it just plain right though. now just, just right now just plain i'm going through a stretch of just just plain you know what there's more plain chip fans out in the world than you would think i'm this is very it's good for me i'm learning yeah it's 30 plus everybody 30 plus it, that's, it's that's true it it's so true <laughs> 
30 plus with a lot going on. They just need something basic. <laughs> Don't make me think about this too much. Just, oh my God, I love it. I'm glad you feel like it's a safe space and you can say that you like plane chips. Yeah. Though that's, that's important to us. A couple more. If you could get someone on a hoops journey, you know, who would, who would you like to see on the show? But you got to help us. You, you know, your boy Kepke, you know, gave you a shout. So, you know, who, who do you think has a good story or would be fun to uh, sit down and chat with? I think, I think Denim. I think Denim Brown. I think Denim Brown or Jermaine Anderson. We're here for it. Denim Brown, Jermaine Anderson, or Ryan Wright, because he and I have been riding that wave together since 2000 and whenever it was that we graduated school. So he's, he, he, he's seen a lot too. Went to UCLA with, with um, what's his name there? Kevin Love, then transferred to Oklahoma and ended up with, Blake Griffin, and they eliminated us out of the tournament in 2009, which I'm still bitter about. But, yeah, so he, you know, all, any three of those guys, and, yeah, we got to get him on here. Yeah, 100%. Do you know Ransford? Ransford Brempong? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Rans was on the show, and he, he just knows Denim a bit, too. So we tried, but uh, maybe a little your peer pressure will be able to get him on. We'd love to chop it up with him, man, any of those three. So that'd be okay, great. Okay, cool. Sounds good. Last question, man. This has been super fun. Again, you know, I know you're a busy man and, and uh, we do truly appreciate your time and look forward to when this episode comes out. If you could do it all again, you would what? Now, you've given lots of great reflection this episode. I'll give you props. You, you can tell you're a very okay. reflective person. You don't just go through the day-to-day without thinking about what's happened and how things worked and what worked and what didn't. So I, I, I appreciate that. But if there's anything in your head there, if you could do it all again, you'd what? Have the mindset that I have now then. Mm. If only, right? Yeah. Yeah. If only. Why? Um, you just think you understand the world better and people and yourself or just you're, are, you more, are you more hungry than ever right now? Like, what is it? I'm more hungry. I, I wouldn't say I'm more hungry. Your, your appetite is different at different points in your life. Of course. But it's like chips. You now. realize yes, the chips. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think you realize now that relationships, one, are important and nurturing them fostering those but not everybody is your friend so you can go out and you can bite heads off and be a dog and get where you need to be because not everybody's going to be your friend 90 percent of people that you that i was met and talked to when i was 18 19 or 17 they're not in our, your lives anymore but mm-hmm. the ones that are important and that you fostered and that you nurtured they're still there so you can have the best of both worlds and go through this world carefree and you know attack whatever your goals are without a care in the world about hurting feelings or being concerned with anybody else, but at the same time, extracting and, and, and really taking, cultivating the ones that, that mean something or have value. I should say that in, in your life. That was good, man. Love it. Love it. There you go. Thank you. Firm believer in the relationships thing too, man. I, I really, really, truly believe that. And that's one of the things that guides me. Thank you for sharing that. It was awesome. Any last reflections before we let you go? Any last thoughts? Uh, this, this was good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, no last. I think I let it all out there. Um, <laughs> laid it all out. And maybe I'll go back and take that, that sport management class. <laughs> <laughs> that, that public, the public speaking class, rather. <laughs> you excited about the season coming up? And uh, we wish you no continued success. Keep doing what you're doing. Thanks for your efforts in helping grow and build the beautiful game that we all love. You know, this is our little way of helping grow to let people share stories um, and reflect on their lives and and let other people learn from them and their stories. So thank you for being with us. Um, Hope this season goes well. How are we feeling about it? 
Feeling great. Yeah. I'm feeling great, right? Feeling yeah. optimistic and uh, should be fun. Thanks again. All the best. You know, you make it out west. You know where to find us. We got you. And let us know which one of those three. I'm sure they'll all be jumping at uh, the opportunity to be on a hoops journey. So, <laughs> Sounds good. Continued success. Shout out to our sponsors, Parkside Brewery and Good Lad Clothing. And we'll see you on the next episode. for supporting a hoops journey if you enjoyed this episode leave us a review and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode you can find us on social media at a hoops journey and on our website a thank you to our special guest javon shepherd thank you to our sponsors good lad clothing and parkside brewery and we will see you on the next episode